to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. Only take care, lest this liberty of yours somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you, a man of knowledge, at table in an idol's temple, might he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols? And so, by your knowledge, this weak man is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brethren and wounding their conscience, when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food is a cause of my brother's failing, I will never eat meat, lest I cause my brother to fall. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Peace be with you, the reader. According to St. Matthew, let us be attentive. Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you. The Lord said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep at his right hand, but the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, O blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. 
Then he will say to those at his left hand, Depart from me, you curse, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? And he will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And they will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life. Peace be to you who reads the good tidings. Glory to you, O Lord. Glory to you, In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the first thing that I want to say to you this morning, and I said this last night to those who were at Vespers, is that this story that Christ tells at the end of the Gospel of Matthew is not a parable. Even though it follows two Sundays of parables, and you might think, oh, well, then this must be a parable. And the reason I'm saying this is because a parable is a story that is familiar to people, and it compares something to be like this. Whereas this is going to happen. Christ is going to come again in all of His glory with all of the angels. And every human being from Adam until the last person will know that he is God. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. There will be no doubt among any living being. And he will sit upon his white throne and he will gather the living and the dead before him. And there's a tradition that from the time it takes to read the six morning psalms of Orthros, every living soul will pass through judgment. Not a long time. And I told myself, because of that, I'm not going to talk for a long time either. The church places this story to remind us of this reality on this, the second Sunday before Great Lent. And it's interesting that last night at Vespers, every single hymn that dealt with the last judgment from the Triodion, it did not talk about loving your neighbor. 
But it did talk about the fact that we will all face judgment. And I'll just read a few excerpts from this just so it it, uh, can give you an idea of what the church is wanting us to think about. Alas, black soul, how long will you continue in evil? How long will you lie in idleness? Why do you not think of the fearful hour of death? Why do you not tremble at the dread judgment seat of the Savior? What defense will you make, or what will you answer? Another hymn. When the thrones are set up and the books are opened and God sits in judgment, oh, what fear there will be then when the angels stand trembling in your presence and the river of fire flows before you. What shall we then, guilty of many sins, do when we hear him call the blessed of his Father into the kingdom but send sinners to their punishment? And again, when you come, O righteous judge, in your, to execute just judgment, seated on your throne of glory, a river of fire will draw all men, amazed before your judgment seat. The powers of heaven will stand beside you in fear. Mankind will be judged according to the deeds that each has done. And then the books will be opened and the acts of men will be revealed before the unbearable judgment seat. The whole veil of sorrow shall echo with the fearful sound of lamentation as all the sinners weeping in vain are sent by your just judgment to everlasting torment. And it goes on. Each of the hymns talks about this and sets this before us. Now, of course, we know that all the hymns of the Triodon have a sober beginning, and then they have a very merciful and beautiful ending at the end to remind us of God's love and His desire to forgive us and to have mercy on us. But this is a sober thing. It's very important that we realize that the church is placing this before us because it's not a natural thing for us in our everyday life to either think of our death in a healthy way or to think that we will be accountable for judgment at the end of our life and that that should sober us and remind us of how to orient and guide our life. Now, I looked carefully this morning during the Orthros service to see what hymns the church would present us during Orthros and see if it would shift a little to the rest of the gospel, and it does. So I'll read a couple excerpts from that as well. Daniel the prophet, a man of goodly desires, considered God's authority, and he cried out thus and said, quote, The judgment seat was set up and books were opened. Unquote. Then the church says, Look at my soul. Are you fasting? Then do not neglect your neighbor. Are you abstaining from food? Then do not condemn your brother, lest you be sent to the fire that will burn you up as wax. And then another hymn says, Let us first cleanse ourselves, O brethren, by the Queen of Virtues. What is the Queen of Virtues? Love. The Queen of Virtues is love that literally cleanses us. For behold, she is here, providing us with a wealth of blessings. She suppresses our swelling passions and reconciles offenders with the Master. Therefore, let us welcome her with a cheerful heart, crying out to Christ our God. You who rose from the dead, keep us uncondemned as we glorify you, the only sinless one. 
So my dear brothers and sisters, when Jesus, who alone has the authority to judge us unerringly, knowing everything there is to know about us, knowing every thought, every attitude, every disposition, every act, every hesitation, every impulse, He will ask us whether we have loved Him and whether we have loved our neighbor, our brother or sister, or even our enemy. Have we loved every single person that has crossed our path? And he tells us what that means. He says to love someone is first of all to be able to see in them my image. To treat them as you would treat me if I was standing before you and you knew it was me. Now remember, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Everyone will be crying out, Lord, Lord, accept me. So if we were to see our neighbor or our friend or our brother or our sister or our co-worker or even our enemy standing before us or coming near us or crossing our path and we really saw Christ in that person, then we would give them clothing. Then we would give them food. Then we would give them drink. Then we would comfort them and visit them and serve them and minister unto them. But I want you to notice that in this account of judgment, everyone, both the righteous and the unrighteous, are surprised. No one can judge themselves rightly. We all deceive ourselves. At the Lord's table, they all said, Is it I? Is it me? Am I the one? On Judgment Day, it will be, When did I? When didn't I? The church says, Time is running out. Whether we're young or whether we're old. Whether we live 25 years, whether we live 100 years, it's like a wisp of steam on a cold day. Time is such a precious gift. We need to sober up and not take it for granted. And we need to use Lent, which is a time par excellence of repentance, of returning to that ultimate number one relationship in the universe between us and God, and use the horizontal relationships that God gives us to draw near to the Lord, to see in every person the image of God, an icon of God, a precious gift, a treasure, and to minister to everyone as if they were Christ Himself to bow our knee, to confess with our tongue, and to love that person as we would want everyone to love us. All of the fasting, all of the prayers and the services, all of the demands on your time, everything that has to do with self-denial is for the purpose of the relationship between you and God and you and the people around you. And my challenge to you is to start with the people closest to you. Start with your own family. You young ones, start with your siblings. Respect and love and venerate your parents. 
parents love and sacrifice and serve your children and die for one another towards your spouses. And in this community, look at each other as little Christs. Venerate one another. Do not take each other for granted. You do not know each other, I promise you, like God wants you to. And that is a shame. And you need to do something about it. And there is no greater time than during Lent. Because God is inviting you to be here often. Which will provide you the opportunity to venerate each other as if you were venerating Christ. And then you can do nothing more, nothing better, to prepare yourself for that sober day of judgment that will come very soon. Amen.